so yeah, welcome. It's really good to see you and to have you with us. Uh, we, are, we keep praying, please, for the, the 100 plus guests this afternoon, although it's a seed sowing event, um, it's a very significant kingdom moment this afternoon. So, Lord, we do, we do just pray again now for messy Christmas. We invite you, Lord, for the parents, the grandparents, the aunties and uncles, and the kids that come, that you would sow seed after seed of kingdom truth that we know will grow hidden away under the ground and one day will produce fruit. We pray for that. We pray for every conversation we have. We pray for our attitudes and our joy and delight in knowing you, that there will be something very attractive about Jesus as we make you known today. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Next Sunday, um, we have our uh, guest carol service. We're, we're really looking forward to this very much. There's no meeting Sunday morning. Uh, spread the word around your small groups and your friends who've not been able to make it today. No meeting at 10, but we meet at 4 o'clock. Please come early um, and be ready uh, at, at 4 to come uh, and take part. Uh, and please be praying. Uh, and please, more than anything, be inviting your friends, your neighbors, your work colleagues. There's loads of these flyers at the back or down the corridor. You're so welcome to take some. You can give these away like sweets. I don't mind if you go down your street praying and putting them through letterboxes. If you hand them out of work, whatever you want to do. If you've just got one friend you give them to, well done. God bless you. But please invite someone uh, to our uh, Love Christmas Carol service. We've got Tom Head, who is outstanding at preaching the gospel uh, with us coming down from East End Church, probably with one or two friends as well. And uh, please pray for Tom as he gets ready, but he's going to proclaim the gospel uh, and we're going to have all kinds of fun together. Again, at the back, there are some of these little uh, four kinds of Christmas books. If, you're, if you know this week you're going to have a conversation with someone that's a bit more than, oh, can I just give you one of these to a carol service, then please take uh, some of these books and give them to those that you know are expressing an interest in finding out more. Uh, again, if there's someone at home uh, that doesn't know Jesus or someone that you're regularly meeting with, a friend or a work colleague, take one of these. If you can pop a, a pound in the pot to cover the cost of them, that'll be helpful. But again, there's a stack of those. Take as many as you'll need. Uh, this afternoon and next Sunday at the carol service, we're just going to have a, a little collection uh, to um, uh, support our friends at Langley Green Hospital, we've got a, a growing friendship, I think, with them um, and with the occupational therapists there. Uh, they're really wanting to uh, work with us in building community amongst those who are struggling with mental health issues, particularly as they come out of the hospital. Uh, we're just exploring what that looks like very carefully. Uh, I've got the joy with, uh, with the marvellous Andy Tester uh, and Daisy as well, I think, of going to the, uh, the Christmas party um, uh, this uh, coming Wednesday. Andy's done superb work there in just shining for Jesus. Andy, we really honor you. You've been outstanding in sharing your faith and caring for some, some broken people. Well done, my friend. Uh, and well done for opening a door for us to follow Jesus in there as well. Um, and so what we really wanted to do was to bless a whole pile of the patients with, with Christmas jumpers. Most of them don't get to feel very Christmassy and don't really enjoy the season that can be full of all kinds of traumas for them. And so we've bought them some Christmas jumpers, and we'd love to cover that cost and bless them with one or two other things by taking a collection this Sunday, next Sunday, uh, at Messy Christmas, and at our carol service. You have been warned. Is that okay? Good, okay, well done. And Christmas morning we're meeting as well, half past ten, not ten just for an hour, so you've got time to open your stocking and, and get your turkey in the oven and all that kind of stuff um, before we come here to worship. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for all the things that are going on, all the opportunities we've got to live and to share the gospel. We thank you for this time of worship this morning. We thank you for what you're doing. 
Holy Spirit, we thank you right now. You're working in, in some bodies and minds around this room, down in the ID room, uh, where people are just sensing your spirit on them right now. Would you just continue working as we open the word for the next few minutes? And would you equip us as a church in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Okay, turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 2. Uh, I'm just going to read from uh, verse 8 where the shepherds appear. And there were shepherds living in the, out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, but they were terrified. The angel of the Lord said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what they'd been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Um, I'm just finishing our little Christmas Unwrapped mini-series. Uh, I shared some of the parts of this message at our Crawley Churches Together uh, Sunday evening, two, three weeks ago. Some of you were there. Forgive me if you're hearing some of these points again. As I was preparing this week, I, I, actually I'm preaching to myself again this morning. I realize this is a message I need to hear again. Um, so if, you, if you've heard it and you've already put it into practice in your life, well done. God bless you. Uh, you can get back on your phone and invite more people to messy Christmas this afternoon as Hannah's instructed you to. Uh, but if like me, you need to uh, catch something of what God might be saying to shape your heart, then listen to me again this morning. I love these, uh, these Christmas narratives in early in the Gospels, the collection of people and animals, the shepherds, the wise men, the family of Jesus, um, uh, yeah, all the animals around the, the, uh, the, the manger. Later on in the temple, the elderly Anna and Simeon, never mind, of course, the angels that we've just read uh, about. And of course, if you've seen the Sainsbury's advert, the star and the three pin plug um, and everything else that appears in the, the Christmas scene. In the midst of all the people that, that gathered around Jesus and that recognized who he is and worshipped him, there was a multitude literally in the house next door to where Jesus was being born and across Bethlehem, and across Judea, and across planet Earth that night, who remained completely unaware of what was unfolding on their doorstep, and of what importance the events had for their, their lives. This was an insignificant town. Even people from Bethlehem thought they were insignificant. And yet it was at the heart of God's plan for redemption. It was a, an apparently insignificant time. And in God's plan, it was a now moment of the kingdom. The most significant event in history was opening up. They were apparently an insignificant people. They were just another group 
swallowed up by the Roman Empire that was ever increasing. They had no idea that today in this town, a saviour has been born. The king of all glory, the one that hundreds of years before the prophet Daniel had said, yeah, this one will carry authority and glory and sovereign power. Of this one that's being born today, all, all peoples and nations and men of every language will worship him. They had no idea this was unfolding amongst them. No idea. As Daniel prophesied that his dominion was an everlasting dominion, that it will not pass away, that his kingdom will never end and never be destroyed. This is what was opening up in their midst, in their insignificant era and their insignificant town in the heart of the Roman Empire. And yet they never knew. We often remark here, um, sermons like this and in our prayer life uh, about our mission to reach the 100,000 plus people that live within five minutes drive of this building who don't know Jesus. Um, it, that's a big number. It may, may be difficult for you to process. Uh, maybe 100,000 is a bit kind of faceless. But then think about your next door neighbor. Maybe the guy or the woman who works at the desk opposite you at, at work. Maybe your husband or your wife or your parents or your unsaved grown-up children. You've got people in your mind like I have now. Even as we approach Christmas, for most people around us, it's just another, it's just a holiday they're looking forward to. Um, they don't want to know Jesus. They believe probably they've made a very modern and informed choice in their wisdom, either to ignore the claims of Jesus. Yeah, I've heard that. I don't need to follow him. Or they've decided to follow another way. The, the Bible describes that attitude actually biblically as, as foolishness. The Bible says if, if that's the choice we make, we are dead in our sins. We're blind to the gospel. We're deaf to the good news about Jesus Christ. Reassuringly, the Bible also says that many of those people we're thinking of right now are ready to hear if only um, they would encounter a messenger of this good news. The Bible says encouragingly that the harvest is ripe, but the workers who are prepared to go out into the vineyard are few. So this angel message that we've read about in Luke chapter 2 today is of real significance. The angels, if you notice in the song they sang and spoke over the shepherds, addresses um, all people, all men on earth. And of course, when we say men, generically, we mean men and women, boys and girls. We mean every, not just, uh, not just the people of Israel at that time, certainly not just white Europeans. We mean men and women and boys and girls from every language, every tribal group, every skin color, every generation uh, as well are caught up in this promise. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, full of the Holy Spirit, when he preached the gospel and 3,000 people wanted to get saved, Peter said to them, this message is for you, for your children, for all who are far off, and for all whom the Lord our God will call. I think this angel message about peace on earth through Jesus Christ is still for the likes of you and me and the 100,000 around our town today. And so here we have this angelic message, this declaration of true peace on earth through Jesus Christ, not just for that generation, um, not just for them in their day. It's a song that is still to be sung uh, over our generation also. There is no one who does not need to hear this song. In fact, let me put that positively rather negatively. Everyone needs to hear this song about the message of peace on earth to all men on whom God's favor rests. And we're talking about real peace with God, not a, not a, a, a a generic Clinton's cards, peace on earth kind of peace, some fluffy peace. We're talking about a true peace that restores us through the finished work of Jesus on the cross into right relationship with God himself. 
Peace that means I get on my knees in repentance. Peace that means I know my sins have been forgiven. Peace that's completely dependent on the Prince of Peace who gave up his life for me. Jesus Christ who makes us right with God. I don't know all of you in here, maybe for one or two of you in here today, you, you know I don't yet have peace with God. Let me challenge you today as I preach this message. You today can get right with God. You today can come to the Prince of Peace and know yourself to be right with God. If you're out in the ID room listening to this right now and you don't know the peace that Jesus Christ brings, you can respond to him this morning. Just speak to those that are serving you today. Maybe there are some listening online later this week that don't know the peace of God. We pray for you right now that you will come into a saving relationship with him. Peace, not for all men, uh, but for those on whom God calls and favors. It's our message still today to the world around us. I love these, these shepherds. Um, I love their response to this uh, angel message, other than being terrified, um, which is, I think, the right reaction. Uh, the shepherd's first response after terror <laughs> was to go and worship Jesus. Actually, it's not a bad thing to have a, a right bit of fear in our worship, actually. That's a, that one's free for you today. That's an aside. It's not in the notes. Uh, but uh, there's, a, there's a right fear of God that should inform our worship and bring us humbly before him with a, a seriousness uh, as well as a joy. These the shepherds went to worship Jesus. They went to see for themselves. Worship, friends, is always the right response to having heard the gospel proclaimed. Uh, that's why we give 45 minutes or so, Sunday after Sunday, to singing songs about Jesus. We're not going to stop singing about the good news of Jesus Christ. We're not just into singing songs. I'm sure we could do far more uh, significant equipping and training with the time if we put the guitars away, but we're reminding ourselves week by week of the beauty and the majesty of the gospel of God's salvation plan. As we sing, we're meditating on truths and going over them in our heads and lining up our hearts again with the liberating truth of the gospel. Just thinking again this week of that lovely old song now, Light of the World, you came down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart, this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you are God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me, for me, to me. I don't know, something like that. I need the words behind me. And that beautiful refrain, I'll never know. How much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. And I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that. You're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Yeah, Jesus, we love your gospel. We love to sing your gospel. We thank you for the example of the shepherds to us, that the right response to the gospel is to be happy worshippers. We just bow our hearts before you this morning. We invite you, even now, just to minister to us as we continue to look through this passage. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So they went to worship. The next response in verse 17 
uh, is fantastic. In verse 20, when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Verse 20, they returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd seen and heard. So they went back to the probably 300 or so that lived in the little town of Bethlehem uh, at the time. Later on, disciples of Jesus began to go out and tell the thousands and the tens of thousands that lived across their towns and villages, across the city of Jerusalem. Yeah, they, they worshipped, but true worship, um, true rejoicing in the gospel is always, always ends up being more than just songs in our churches. It's a message on our lips that must push us outwards into the world around us. Let me hear an amen, please. That's a truth. Um, we, we've got a greater commission for Crawley, I think, than we've yet realized. We've, we've signed up to it. And we talk about it and pray about it. Our kind of up, in and out strategy, upward. We want to grow in our love for God. Inward, we want to grow in the, the, the great commandment to love one another. Outward, we want to grow in our expression of our love for the people of Crawley. It's great that we have that as a slogan. It's great we mention it in sermons like this. It's great we have it on our website and pray it at our prayer meetings. It's, it's really good, but probably less than 5% of the 100,000 plus in Crawley actually know Jesus. The, the true number's probably even smaller. I realize now I'm getting into one of those pastor stat moments where if you say something from the pulpit, people believe it's an actual fact. I'm just guessing, okay, uh, at this stat. But I think uh, certainly the number of true believers in the town will be smaller than the number that actually attend churches on a Sunday because there are always some amongst us that haven't yet become followers of Jesus Christ. So this angel song remains true this morning. God sent his son to earth to bring us into peace with him through the death and resurrection of Jesus. But not many people around us are hearing this message. It was just a few shepherds in a town of 300. Later on, just 120 or so disciples in a city of tens of thousands on the day of Pentecost. I've been really challenged. We can busy ourselves with all kinds of activities in our churches. Really good things. Very important things. Building communities, serving the poor, developing beautiful worship ministries and prayer life, kids work, great youth work. All of that's really important. But, but beloved, if all of that is at the expense of our primary mission to make Jesus known across Crawley, then we've missed something uh, and all our other efforts are secondary. True worship always makes Jesus known. True worship always changes us into disciples who want to make Jesus known. And that would better have an amen as well, please. And we see so many signs in churches that haven't quite caught this and it's a danger for us as well. I see churches that shut themselves away, that feel, oh today, 21st century, we just feel a bit outnumbered now. Everything's changed in the UK. I feel out of touch. Our culture's changing so fast. and We'll just do our best to fight to remain as we are. We'll, we'll be a solid, persevering church. Actually, we'll become a ghetto church. We completely miss the point that we exist and have been placed here in this town. Here in your street, in my home, your workplace, in this era, in order to make Jesus Christ known. These simple shepherds got that, something of that, and they spread the word. I, I'm here to say to you today, and I speak to myself, let's go home and be disciples like the shepherds. Let's go home. I've got no other message for you, really. I've got no more important message for us to carry through this Christmas on into next year. Um, in fact, I realized I preached a very similar message as I uh, cover one of our healthy church 
sessions last month. I've been doing some thinking and some prep and praying for uh, picking up our 2020 vision in the new year. I've realized it's a very similar message in the new year as well. It's our privilege, beloved, for those who've seen and worshipped Jesus to be those that go and get to share about him with those who don't yet know him. Um, We don't wait for them to come to us either. Um, Jesus commands us to, yeah, well done. You can say that confidently. To what? Go. Yeah, well done. Go. Um, Believe me, I'm I'm a reluctant evangelist. I've looked through the the Bible enough. I've not yet found a passage that says, once you've got your carpet right down the corridor here, then they'll come in in their floods to your building. If you build it, they'll come. That's out of Hollywood. It's not based in the scriptures. The shepherds couldn't help themselves. They went back into their city. It was never a kingdom strategy to wait in your buildings until people come to you. It's the very opposite. Jesus says to disciples like you and I, go out, preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons, tell your stories, tell the town about Jesus. The scriptures say it's forceful men and women who take hold uh, forcefully of the kingdom of God and advance it. There's one command, if you're not sure about it, a, a clear command of Jesus that he spoke out of his mouth, that you and I, I can tell you this morning, you are allowed to disobey it. Okay, there you go. Is there some heresy about to come up here? There's one command from Jesus you and I can disobey. Jesus said to his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, just before he ascended into heaven, wait in Jerusalem. So many of us are still waiting for something more to happen. How how we learn to read the scriptures is really important. If we stopped at that point, we'd be a group that never come out of our buildings. We'd be waiting for something. That passage was limited to the people and the place and the time into which Jesus was speaking. There's a time limit on that command to wait in Jerusalem. And yet many of our churches in the UK are still stuck waiting for something to happen when a greater command has already superseded Jesus's command to wait. A greater event has happened. Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit. That's the only time in the New Testament you'll see the disciples locked in and waiting. But then Jesus ascended into heaven. Then Jesus poured out his Holy Spirit on the church. So we're not obedient to the command to wait any longer. We're obedient instead to the greater command to receive the Spirit and to go out and to be bold witnesses of that which we've seen and heard concerning Jesus Christ. You can disobey the wait, but you must obey the go. Amen. Paul says to Timothy, here's a trustworthy saying which deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The angels knew why Jesus was coming. Uh, They've been excited about the story for a long time. They announced his coming peace with men. The shepherds grasped enough of it and they shared it. Finally, the disciples, empowered by the Spirit, understood it and began to share it. In every generation since, there have been groups of believers just like us who've refused to accept that this message is just for me to be a little bit pious. It's just about me and my worship. I don't actually need to tell anyone. Thank God that through the generations, there have been men and women and boys and girls like us who've said this message about Jesus is so life-changing. It cannot just end with me and my story. I refuse to keep it to myself. Just reflecting again, those, those early believers that came across to, to this island, to the UK, came with probably traders that came with the Roman invasion. Thank God for the Roman invasion. It brought Christianity to the UK where we were far off. 
That was a, a, a pre-Brexit borderless travel system the Romans had. Pretty good. You could go from Hadrian's Wall at Carlisle in the north all the way down to what today is Syria without showing a passport, blue or red. And uh, it, it looks like we can still do that for a little bit longer. So we thank God for the Romans. Later on, uh, after the Roman influence had, had waned, um, you've got Augustine and others who came to, by then, a Viking England. And they courageously shared the gospel. Augustine landed at at uh, Canterbury, went across to London, quickly saw uh, thousands saved and added into churches. At the same time, similar time, you've got people like Patrick and Hilda and Cadaman who were um, uh, spreading the gospel and influencing the Celtic tribes around the fringes of, of Britain. Then there were those who later fought for gospel clarity through the English Reformation. Uh, in the 1500s, we, we taught on some of this stuff last year, the 500 years of the, of the Reformation. In the 1740s, 50s onwards, there were thousands upon thousands of Methodist lay preachers, uh, ordinary people like us, who carried the gospel all over the country to every little hamlet, every little town during the Wesleyan and Whitfield revival. Um, my own roots in the Salvation Army, 1860s onwards, that the, they were bold, saved sinners with William Booth, who um, their, their deliberate strategy was go for sinners and go for the worst. And they went for the worst of sinners. Remember, in the 1860s onwards, uh, Britain was suddenly being urbanized, massive uh, rush from the countryside into newly growing cities. The Industrial Revolution in all its awfulness, disease, sin, drugs, alcohol, uh, that makes some of what we see today uh, look like a, a sort of PG movie. Into that environment. Booth and his disciples saw so many saved and so many rough diamonds saved that they had to create their own churches because the middle class churches wouldn't accept them. We thank God for those who wouldn't keep the message to themselves. I love the early days of the British Pentecostal movement. Just a hundred years or so ago now, after the First World War, saw people like the Jeffreys brothers and others um, going from town to town, city to city around the UK, planting churches out of nothing through signs and wonders and miracles in the name of Jesus. I remember preaching one time at Bethshan Tabernacle when we were still working up in Manchester. And Bethshan was planted. The Jeffreys brothers came and did a crusade uh, in that part of East Manchester. There was no church there. And uh, they did a two-week crusade. Uh, only a few people came the first few nights. At the end of the first week, uh, one of the Jeffreys brothers, George or Stephen, I can't remember which one, prayed for a guy. He got up out of a wheelchair, completely healed the next night. And for the rest of the, the week, hundreds and hundreds came. After the two-week crusade was over, the Jeffreys brothers went on up to York, I think, from Manchester. They left behind a church of 2,000 people after a two-week crusade, purely through signs and wonders. There's a great big barn of a building now that probably has about 100 people in it, sadly, today. We thank God. We thank God for those. What about us? We're a new town in Crawley. We're not written in the revival history books. Crawley's only really existed properly since the, uh, the, after the, the, the war and all the building and construction that's, that's gone on. We, we don't have history of revi revival, but we're still in need of men and women in our generation who will look to Jesus and will go and spread the word concerning what we've seen and heard with our neighbors, with our friends, with our town. Our, our conditions are no different today to how they've been down through the 
generations. I don't believe the climate is any harder today or any more anti-Christian today than it's ever been. Certainly culture changes and you look at the centuries, it changes one way and then the other. But the gospel is as good news and as effective as it has ever been. It still works. It still means that some people will reject it and will go away sad, but some will come running to Jesus if only we'll lift him up. Church, will we do so uh, in our generation? I love the way the... um, Angels spoke about this message. They said it's good news of great joy. Uh, I, I'm carrying this message like a bit of a prophetic provocation to myself and to us uh, today and in this season. Uh, but it comes with real joy. It's a message of real joy. We, we carry it forward with very serious intent, but with real gladness in our hearts. It's what we are made for, to encounter Jesus and to share him with other people. So we get to look to him, we get to touch him, we get to worship him, we get to drink in his love and his mercy, we get to see his compassion, we get to marvel like we've done this morning at his healing, saving power, we get to listen to his voice, we get to celebrate his authority, and then that very same Jesus sends us back into the city with joy. The shepherds couldn't help themselves. The message uh, paraphrase of Luke 2 says, the shepherds let loose uh, it reminds me of the uh, man in uh, Acts, uh, Acts 3, where Peter and John see the man healed at the temple gate. I don't have any money to give to you, as he begs in front of them. But what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, uh, get up and walk. So strength came immediately to the man's feet and ankles, and he went walking and leaping and praising God into the temple. It's the same response from the shepherds, the same word that's, that's used. They went leaping. It's something about the Messiah's work that causes us to let loose with the good news of Jesus. We've said already this morning, but it's just worth saying again, true worship is not inward looking. Uh, it becomes so unhealthy. When we truly gaze on Jesus, we, we can't help but have our eyes and our hearts turned outwards. He's so beautiful. His work is so amazing. His purpose is for the least of us. Can you believe it? He would engage you or me on his mission, and yet he has. We hardly can believe he'd choose the likes of us to engage our generation with his story. Worship leads us outwards. So this morning, what about us? What about me? What about you? What about our church? What about your streets, my neighborhood, your home, your workplace, your school, your college, friends you meet with, the clubs you go to, never mind the strangers you bump into in town, in the supermarket, the petrol station. I know whenever I preach a message like this, there'll be a number of us here saying, yeah, that's great. I love to worship. I like the worship bit. Let's talk about that some more. But I'm I'm afraid to talk about Jesus. I'm not sure I'd know what to say. Or what if I get asked a difficult question? Or actually, I'm a bit afraid. I lack courage in my heart. Anyone like me saying those kinds of things? Yeah, okay. Brian's honest. Thanks, Brian. The rest of them don't believe a word they say. (laughs) It's not just us, Brian. I think there are others waving the hands of their heart, as Christians would say, Okay, well, thank the Lord he's not left us on our own in this task that he's engaged us with. The Savior who engages us in his mission to make disciples of all nations has said, surely I'll be with you to the end of the age. He's going to be with us. Often talked about John 7:37. Jesus says, come to me and drink and out of you will flow rivers of living water. In Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. love the prayer in Acts chapter 4. These um, disciples who've been arrested and told, don't preach any longer in the name of Jesus. And they pray, stretch out your hand, God, 
and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. It's an enabling that God brings to us uh, in our weakness and our emptiness. We don't have it in ourselves. We've got a mission to make Jesus known, but we're confessing our weakness. I'm confessing my fear. We're confessing our inadequacy. We're confessing our complete lack of any authority in ourselves to function really uh, in this call that God has given us. Maybe we're like the stunned shepherds. Didn't know anything else, but we spilled out of that stable, just not able to wait to tell people about what we'd seen. Maybe later, like those Acts of the Apostles' disciples who was remarked about them that they were unschooled, ordinary men, and yet they looked and sounded like they'd been with Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit we need, church. He's the one uh, who makes up where we lack. He's the one that leads us into truth. He's the one that gives us words where I think in this moment, in this conversation with my neighbor, I have no idea what to say. The Holy Spirit comes alongside. He gives us courage where we lack it, where we think, ah, Shall I just talk about church or shall I talk about Jesus Christ? He's the one who comes alongside and gives us discernment and leads us to the people in whom Jesus is already working. What a helper the Holy Spirit is to enable us to carry forward the story and the mission of Jesus into every street, every neighborhood, every people group in our town. Hallelujah. Um, every Thursday morning we, uh, we pray. We have the early morning prayer meeting here with a group of us. We just had our last one uh, for the term, break for the Christmas holidays now. We'll start again in the week of prayer, second week in, in, in January. Every Thursday morning, we pray a prayer that kind of represents every morning, really. We pray for the thousands of believers like you and me and others in our churches in Crawley, scattered across Crawley to workplaces, shops, schools, colleges. We're praying, God, scatter them across the town full of the Holy Spirit. We, we're praying for the people that you and I are going to meet that day and the other days in the week. We're praying, Holy Spirit, would you open their hearts? Would you awaken their desire to know Jesus? Um, I've, I've been praying since uh, the summer for um, a physiotherapist that I saw had a running injury in the summer. I ended up having to go to see the physio. It turned out he was quite open. And so we had a number of good conversations. I haven't seen him since the end of August, beginning of September. I was encouraged when Chris led a prayer meeting in September and I, I wrote down his name. I've been praying for him most days since then. I wanted to invite him to our Christmas carol service, um, but I thought, I don't know how to do that. I'm not in any contact with him. Um, I haven't seen him since the end of August. Uh, I'll probably just send him a WhatsApp, but it's a little bit of a cold, cold call. And uh, out of nowhere, about two weeks ago, I picked up a little calf tear uh, again. And as it turns out, I had to go and see the physiotherapist last week. Great story uh, for the gospel. Um, and uh, over the 30 minutes or so while he was pounding me, um, he asked me some incredibly open questions about the gospel, uh, about issues of good and evil. And when I left his uh, couch, he'd received an invite to our carol service and I'd received an offer to pray with him. It's amazing. Jesus is so ready to make himself known. Sometimes he sends angel choirs to reveal himself. Sometimes he sends people like you and me. Sometimes in, in Acts, it stirs up trouble in an area to push people out into a new place. Sometimes he'll tweak a calf muscle to send me back to a physio whom he's been speaking to behind my back in response to the prayers I've been praying. Can you follow that? But the Holy Spirit's at work. He knows just how to reach each one in just the right way. And he wants to use ordinary believers like you and like me. Oh, wow. Even the, are there some people you've been praying for? Does that give you some fresh faith? Just pray again now as I'm speaking. You can ignore what I'm saying for a moment if you're praying. Um, even the content of their message, just briefly, verse 17. 
They're told they, they went away and they repeated what they'd been told, what they'd seen and heard. Again, you think, I, what, what can I say? I don't know enough. You know enough. You have your story. Yeah, you can learn more. Study is really good. We encourage that. But you're not qualified to share this news about Jesus because of the courses you've been on or the books you've read, but because he's fundamentally changed your heart with the gospel forever. So start with what you know. I was listening to uh, Hannah Drew in a conversation this week. She said at the end of her Bible studies with their friends from Islamic uh, backgrounds, they always ask the question, what have you heard today? What have you learned today? And who are you going to tell about it? I think that's a good attitude rooted in the shepherds. We've learned something today about Jesus. Now, who can I tell about this good news? John Wimber, uh, the founder of the Vineyard group of churches, uh, always used to say, you've received something, now give it away. You've received something, now give it away. Beloved, we've heard such good news. We've received such good news. How can we keep it to ourselves? We have a town to tell. Just been uh, meditating on the passage in 2 Kings 7 with this little band of lepers who are trapped between a city that's under siege, Samaria, and the enemy besiegers, and they can't go either way. And in the end, they're starving. They say, well, we're going to die if we go into the city, and we're going to die if we go over to the enemy. We may as well go over there and see if they'll have mercy on us. And as they go out to the enemy camp, they discover to their surprise that God has thrown the enemy into confusion and they've gone running off in the night and here are these lepers that are, have got all the booty and the treasure to themselves and uh, the food and the, the treasures of the enemy forces. And after a while they say, hey, we, we can't keep this to ourselves. We've got to go back and tell the city. Um, and to a starving city, their report is, this is a day of good news. That, that, that line really caught me. Friends, this is a day of good news. The news of Jesus, the parables tell us, is like treasure hidden in a field. It's like the pearl of greatest price. We're to be, it's such good news. We're to be like the woman who Jesus talked to at the well in John chapter 4, who went back to her village and, and said to the entire village, come and meet the man who's told me everything I've ever done. It's such good news that we're to be like Mary who met the risen Jesus at the empty tomb and ran back into the city to tell everyone, I've seen the Lord. Or like the men on the way to Emmaus who were so beaten, thinking the story was over, then encountered the risen Jesus. Their hearts burned within them. And having trudged out of the city, they now ran back full pelt to tell everyone they could, Jesus is alive. And friends, this Christmas, this is our task. Yeah, we come near to worship Jesus with freedom and joy. But we carry this good news away with boldness for those amongst whom God has placed us who don't yet even know that they need to know Jesus Christ. It's our task. So yeah, be ready. Um, take a pocket full of flyers if you need them with you. Take a little book if you need some help in explaining the gospel from those that can do it so skillfully. But let's pray. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to fill us and let's go. Let's be disciples that go. If there's still a Christmas party to go to, go to it. If there's still neighbors having Christmas drinks, go have a drink with them. If there's still time to talk with people at the school gate or get into a school Christmas party, go, go, go. Wherever God has placed you, in your workplace, your street, your home, worship him and turn outward with joy to share this good news. Can I hear an amen again? Why don't we stand? We're going to just pray together for a few minutes. Joe, guys, can you come and help us? Lord, we thank you for your gospel. Lord, we, first and foremost, you've made us to be worshippers. Here we are to worship, Lord. It's all worship. Thank you so much. 
Oh, Jesus, may we reflect on your gospel and be filled with such joy, such joy that we can't keep it to ourselves. Would you, Lord, those of us who, uh, you know, if you're being honest here, those who've got a little bit bored in your worship. Yeah, I know this story. Yeah, I know the gospel. I'm a bit bored with it now, to be honest. Oh, God, would you enrich our worship again? Would you remind us what you've truly done? Would you, uh, would you break in? Would you encounter us again with your beauty and your majesty? May we say, like we did in that song earlier, you're altogether lovely. Oh, God, we pray, thrill our hearts again. Bring us back to our first love. Lord, may we do nothing out of task and striving, but as happy worshippers. So, yeah, God, get hold of our hearts, we pray. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we uh, invite you just to fill us with your Holy Spirit. If you know uh, in your heart you're wanting to respond to this message, just lift your hands high with me. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. You're the enabler. Can't do it, Lord. <laughs> I've tried. I've failed. Well, I don't even try because I'm so afraid. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. We've got a town to tell, and you are such good news. Lord, right now we confess our fear. We confess our past mess. We confess our disappointments. We confess our lack of courage. But we come to you again. Oh, thank you. Fill us with boldness. Fill us with courage. Right now, Lord, some of the people that are on our minds, would you just give us a new way in, an open door, like you did with me and the physio. Lord, even if it's a surprising one, open a door right now. New opportunity. You're the, always the God of second chances. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I, I pray specifically over this next week for each one here with our hands up, each one of us, Lord, to have an opportunity to share something about you. Lord, I pray specifically for each one of us with our hands up now to be able to uh, communicate the gospel in some way with somebody this week. Oh, thank you, Jesus, to take our part in sharing something of the wonderful story of Jesus. Hallelujah. Why don't you just pray quietly for a moment for your friends, your neighbors, your work colleagues, whether some you are thinking of as I preached over the last half hour or so. Just lift up their names to the Lord. I'm just going to do that quietly here as well. Just thank the Lord. Say, Lord, I believe you're at work in my friend's life. I believe you're at work in my family. I don't see it yet, but I believe it. Just meditating this week on two words that sum up how the kingdom works. Slowly and suddenly. <laughs> slowly and suddenly. It may seem so slow. There may be no evidence. I've been praying for them for years. Oh, there's so much slowly. There's so much seed hidden in the ground. But then the New Testament is full of suddenlies. <laughs> suddenly an angel host appeared. Suddenly, 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 Lord, we just, uh, we ask for fresh faith. We believe you, Lord, for those we've been praying for for a long time. We repent of unbelief. We repent of saying, oh, it's never going to change. Yet it's never going to happen. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you, Lord. We want to go after those again in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we pray again for the guests that are coming this afternoon. You are all together lovely. <laughs> You've made these hearts adore you. We pray our adoring hearts towards Jesus Christ would be so attractive to those who are coming just to do Christmas crafts. I don't even know what we believe about Jesus. We pray that you would just get hold, that there'd be incredible kingdom momentum rapidly in the lives of the men and women and boys and girls that come today and to next Sunday. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Oh, we pray again for the churches across Crawley this morning and next Sunday that are preaching the gospel. We pray for our time with the Langley Green Hospital on Wednesday at their party. 
We pray everywhere the gospel is being preached, let it bear fruit, Lord Jesus. Thank you for those that heard the gospel in the town centre yesterday. Lord, seed sown again in the cold and the rain. Oh, God, now let, your, let the light of your beauty and glory shine on them. Bring them to fruition, we pray, all over the town. We pray for revival in Crawley. We pray, Lord, for the thousands of believers that God's placed strategically in every street, every business, every in the local government, in schools, working at the airport. We pray now, full of the Holy Spirit, may we let loose, may we be released, Lord, suddenly, for such a time as this, we pray. Oh, God, thank you. Why don't you just pray about your workplace or your streets, your school, the place where God strategically has appointed you for this time. Ain't there by chance. The Holy Spirit's put you there. God, may we release what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord. May this town be changed by the gospel. Hallelujah.